We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. So, <clears throat> all open our Bibles. <clears throat> Excuse me, this morning. Can I have some water, please? Open our Bibles this morning again to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Let us begin reading again from verse 1, kind of uh, reviewing what we covered last week. Chapter 4, verse 1 of the book of Hebrews. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For, he, for we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this place they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased <coughs> from his works, <coughs> excuse me, as God did from his. And may the Lord bless <coughs> this, the reading of his word. As we began this fourth chapter, uh, we uh, said that this, this chapter has to do, those part, part of the parentheses that began with the previous chapter, it has to do with the promise of rest. And the rest is only through faith in Jesus. And so it says, therefore, let us fear, for it is a serious matter. Because they, we saw that the Israelites that came out of Egypt perished in the wilderness because of disbelief or unbelief. Okay, and the same danger, danger loomed for those believers this epistle was being written to uh, because of the persecution they were going through uh, they, from their unbelieving uh, patriots, they were tempted to go back to rabbinical Judaism. Now, we said that there were two different words for the word rest used in this chapter. The first we already covered, and it's the word katapafsin, which means total cessation, stopping completely from activity, okay, katap of sin, uh, and it, it's used eight times in this chapter. Also, we said that for this reason, uh, it says, verse 2, that the readers of this epistle were without excuse because the gospel had been preached to them as also the Exodus generation had uh, heard the, the good news, okay, uh, and uh, and the example that is taken here is from Numbers chapter 13, verse 14, uh, when the Jewish people refused to enter the promised land because they sent the spies to see what the land was like. The ten of them came back saying, we cannot take the land. It's filled with giants. You know, they saw the obstacles in the blessings instead of the other way around. And so they voted. And what happened? They chose not to go in. For that reason, they did not enter the promised land. And God said, okay, since you are that way, you're going to perish in the desert. All of you 20 years and older are going to die in the desert. Those who are going to go inside to inherit the promised land are from 20 years and younger. Your children that you were so concerned about. They're going to go and enter the promised land. You're all going to perish in the desert. And we know that that was a physical judgment. 
Now, were there unsaved people among them? Yes, but everybody that perished in the desert was not unsaved. Moses and Darren never entered the promised land as did their sister Miriam also. They were saints. They were godly people, but they did not enter as part of the judgment because the whole nation uh, voted against, uh, you know, uh, trusting God and his word. That's why we're told in the book of James that we must be what? Doers, not just hearers of the word. We may know the whole Bible, but if we don't live it, it profits us nothing. Okay? So a person that is saved, a person that is truly a, a child of God, will live out the things, will be a, a, will be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. So we see uh, that we may know the whole Bible, but if it's not mixed with faith, okay, it profits us nothing. It profits us nothing. Now, in verse 3, we find out that it is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to Him. And of course, obedience has to do with surrender, right? When you obey, what do you do? Submit. Now, we don't submit to men, even though, you know, we do in a way, bosses, the military, uh, government, you submit to the laws, you obey. But the thing is that we obey God and we submit, surrender to him. <clears throat> it's it's a them that we enter into his rest. Very easy to uh, illustrate. Does a rebel have peace? No. Because he's always fighting. He's always struggling. Okay? True peace comes when? It comes when you surrender. It comes when you give it up. It doesn't mean you give up. But it means that you relinquish your rights. You let, it, you let God take care of it. Okay? So it is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to him that we enter into his rest. As we see here in verse 3. Please turn off your phones or put them in vibration so we don't have any more interruptions. Otherwise, I'm going to come down and slap at you. No, I'm only kidding. In verse 3, it says, For we who have believed do enter that rest. <clears throat> As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my, re into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay? As we see here in this third verse, some believers have entered that rest. And this refers to the writer and his readers. Because it says right here, uh, for we who have what? Believed. The writer includes himself. And he includes his readers. He says, we. We have believed. We who have believed have entered into that rest. Okay, then it says, we do enter that rest, and this applies to all of us as well today. Question, have you believed? Have you believed? Not only believed in the Lord, but believed the Lord. Right? Not only we believe in God, but we believe God. Have you? Well, if you have... If you believe in God, you have entered into the rest that he promises you. Okay? And one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. You cannot have peace if you're not resting. Right? And if you're not resting, you don't have peace. So the thing is that, that we see here that those of us who believe God and his promises are in his rest today. It says his rest. And this is talking about creation rest. What does it say in Genesis? That God, after he created everything, what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. Now, was God tired? No, God doesn't get tired. But he rested, it means he paused. He stopped and contemplated everything he had created. And so we see here that God finished his work and rested. And this rest has been available since creation. The rest of creation is a quality of life that God enjoys. You see some people that only live to work? 
We, they only live to work. You should not live to work. You need to work to live. Amen? Some people live in the office. Or they live in the business. Seven days a week. A wonderful uh, modern day saying. We're here 24-7. As if that were supposed to be something great. Hmm? God rested the seventh day. And we see here that we, we who have believed are entering into the spiritual rest. Unlike the Jews who failed to enter into that rest. And I'm talking about that generation he's talking about. Later on in chapter 4 verse 11, which we haven't come to yet. The writer will point out that many years later in Psalm 95. And we already were told by him. By the writer, the Psalm 95 was written by King David, right? And when did King David live? He lived 1,000 years before Christ. When did the Exodus happen? It happened almost 500 years before David. So after the people of Israel had left Egypt and finished their wanderings in the desert and entered the promised land, they enter into the rest, right? But then 500 years later, then it's, God says, I swore that they shall not enter my rest. Still talking about the future. So it's not creation rest. It's not promised land rest that he's talking about. But by a few, he's talking about a future rest. So here we see that uh, God said that the final facet of the rest was future. And therefore still available. Now those who have believed have begun to enter this creation rest. Though the final facet is still future. We have all entered into creation rest. Amen? But there is another rest that God is talking about. And it's still future. It hasn't happened yet. That's the eternal rest. That's kingdom and heaven rest. And <clears throat> we haven't entered there yet. Okay? Now, we must continue to exercise faith. In order to enjoy the spiritual rest promised to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he said, come unto me, all you who work and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Learn of me that I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He promises Rest in this life. We came into that rest when we got saved. We came into creation rest, but we also came into salvation rest. Because now in Christ we have peace, the peace that passes all understanding. And many uh, people who believe come to Christ, but they still don't have that rest in their practical everyday life because they haven't surrendered their lives to the Lord as they should. Okay, so. These Jewish believers, the writer is addressing, had done this, but they, they too must continue having faith in God and His Word to enjoy these blessings. Then the writer quotes again Psalm 95, 11, to point out that the Exodus generation did not enter the rest promised by God since creation, and to announce again a future rest, the rest of salvation. That's why it says there, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's quoting from Psalm 95, 11. Although it says, The works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay, it's talking about creation. Now, we come to verse 4 and verses 4 and 5. Let's uh, review. This is a very difficult, uh, chap uh, difficult portion of Scripture. A lot of people uh, try from this to build uh, a doctrine that you can lose your salvation. Uh, and that's nothing of the kind. That's why I am taking the time, you know, in detail to show you, teach you this uh, portion of scripture so you might know it and not fall into that confusion. When somebody asks you a question, you know what to say. In verse 4 it says, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Where, what is the writer quoting here? He's quoting Genesis 2.2. 2. 
after he created everything, it says there, God rested the seventh day. Okay? Rested the seventh day. Uh, and again, in verse 5, it says, In this place they shall not enter my rest, meaning Psalm 95. So, here he shows that a rest has already been prepared. And this is creation rest. From all his works points to the fact that God's work was completed just as the spiritual rest is the completed, completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he say on the cross? It is what? Finished. Okay? When God finished all the work of creation, it was finished. When Christ finished the work of redemption, it was finished. Okay? And therefore, we believers today enjoy Christ's spiritual rest, but in glory, we shall enjoy it to the fullest as well as creation rest to the fullest. For now, just as Israel failed to enter into the rest promised by God because of their unbelief, so we must also be careful not to fall into the same situation. And because of unbelief, we should fail to enjoy the spiritual blessings God has for us now. So many Christians miss out on the blessings because they are constantly worrying. They don't appropriate the promises God makes in His Word. That's why I tell you time and again, don't say you believe in God only. Say you believe God. When He speaks, you believe it. Because it is the truth. Okay? The Jewish believers of that day were in danger of this very thing. Missing the blessings because of unbelief. So now we see that Israel also did not enter that rest because of unbelief. In verse uh, chapter 4 again, now let's go to verse 6 and 7, verses 6 and 7. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, that is the rest, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Again, what is he quoting? Psalm 95. Okay? Quoting Psalm 95. The writer continues the argument, pointing out that though the Exodus generation failed to enter this spiritual rest, symbolized by the Canaan rest. And I want you to know the land of Canaan, or the promised land, is not a picture of heaven. It's a picture of rest. Okay? Uh, there's a song that says, I'm bound, bound for Canaan. We're already in Canaan. We're already in Christ. Canaan is a picture of the rest that God provides of down here. Blessings. Not heaven. Okay? Now it says, there remains that some must enter it. For this reason, God designated another day when his invitation would be given. The rest was still available. And he proves it by quoting Psalm 95, as I said, but it must be entered by faith. Unlike Israel, who failed because of their unbelief. So the generation that came from Egypt failed to enter the promised land because of unbelief. They did not believe God. And then, <clears throat> 1,500 years later, when the Messiah came, all their generations, throughout the generations, were saying, the Messiah is coming. When will he come? The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Well, he came, and what did they do? They rejected him. They didn't believe in him. Now they say, well, we want him. The Messiah is coming someday. Why? Why would you want a Messiah? You already rejected him. If there were another Messiah and he came, they would still reject him. Not because they're Jews, but because they are sinners, just like us. The problem is not the race or nationality. The problem is unbelief, sin. Okay? And so the writer continues this argument. We now see that God designates a day, it says here. The word designates in the Greek is orizo. Okay? Which means to set a limit. And that's where we get the word horizon from. 
this word, orizo, horizon, means a limit. What is a horizon? It's a limit. Do you ever stand by the seashore and you see heaven and the ocean meet? That's the horizon. Does it mean that it ends there? No, but that, that means that that's as far as you can see. But it's a limit. For you, it's a limit. Okay? So he does this where? He designates a day where? In David, it says, attributing Psalm 95 to King David as he early, earlier attributed it to the Holy Spirit in chapter 3, verse 7. In chapter 3, verse 7, it says, the Holy Spirit says in another place. Now, that same place, he tells us it was David who wrote it. So, God is the author of the Bible, but he uses human agents to write it. The Holy Spirit inspired David to write Psalm 95. The writer is trying to encourage these believers to press unto the spiritual rest. That is to spiritual maturity. Okay? And through faith to enter into this life of spiritual rest. So spiritual rest means what? Means maturity. Creation rest, I say at the beginning, the first rest we enter in is what? When you get saved, you enter into that rest. But spiritual rest end, uh, happens when you grow spiritually. That's why I always insist, almost every Sunday I tell you the same thing. Read your Bible. Study it. Read Christian books that can help you. Do not be satisfied with a uh, starvation diet. The only Bible you get is when you come here on Sunday. Even though you get a good message, I think, because if I don't give you a good message, I'll shoot myself. Okay? Right? No. But the thing is that most people are on a Sunday diet. That's all the Bible they, they take in. You need to read the Bible on your own every day. Study it. Take time for God. After all, all the time you have, He gave it to you. Yes? No? Yeah. You say, well, what books do I read? Well, that's why you have a pastor. So that he can recommend some books to you. That you can grow. Every Christian should study. Every Christian should have his devotions or her devotions. Every Christian should read the Bible. Every Christian should grow spiritually. The exhortation given us in 2 Peter 3.18, the last verse of the last chapter of the last epistle that Peter ever wrote. He says, but go, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the last thing he said. And he knew he was going to die soon. Okay? So we need to listen. We need to listen. And by listening, I mean not just hear. You need to listen. You need to put in practice, obey what God says. Start reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures. This week, I received my first Hebrew Bible. What a joy. I've already begun to read. I already, I already made out the first verse of Genesis. You say, well, that's a big deal. Yes, it is. I can read it. And to me, that's a big deal. And that's not the only thing I learn. I'm learning all the names of God. I make them out as I read. What a joy. Now, I don't expect you to learn Hebrew, even though you should, and Greek. But study the scriptures. All of you that are here, most of you that are here, most of you that are here speak two languages. Don't you? I'm sure you've picked up a Spanish Bible or an English Bible. You'll be able to read them both. Yes? Yeah. Do you know that there are people that cannot read at all? Do you know that our missionary, Dave and Penelope Pickens in uh, Colombia, 
had just finished the New Testament, the whole New Testament, in, in two native languages, Tado and Chami. Do you know how many years they've been working at it? To bring the Bible to those groups, small groups of people in the jungles of Colombia who do not speak Spanish, some of them. And they don't even know how to read. They had to create a language, a, a, an alphabet, before they were able to translate the Bible. And we have, I was looking yesterday in my bookcase, I have a whole shelf of Bibles. How many of us don't have more than one Bible in our homes? But it doesn't matter how many Bibles you have. How many do you read? See? And that's why a lot of people don't know God's will, because they don't read His Word. God reveals His will in His Word. Therefore, we must read it. God is the author of the Bible. And uh, the Holy Spirit, as I said before, inspired David to write Psalm 95. And the writer here is trying to encourage these believers to press on to the spiritual rest. That is to spiritual maturity. You see, there is nothing new under the sun. The writer of Hebrews did it 2,000 years ago with those people. And I'm doing it with you today. Encouraging you. Read the Word of God. Grow. Be mature. And it is for your benefit that I say it, because I already do it. Been doing it for 46 years. There's a wonderful formula. No Bible, no food. You say, what do we read? Okay, I'll tell you what you read. <clears throat> Begin with the book of Psalms. Read one psalm a day, and read one chapter a day, either from the New or the Old Testament. So I'll give you, since you need direction probably, a lot of you, read one psalm, and read one chapter from the, the Gospel of John. How's that? Is that good enough? Yes? Yes? Okay. <clears throat> On this Mother's Day, how many of you will begin to read one psalm and one chapter from the Gospel of John. I want you to stand up. I want to... If you don't stand up, means you don't care about God, and you get out of here, I don't want you in this church. Yeah, because I'm, I'm wasting my time. It's say, what, do or die? Absolutely do or die. How many times, how many years have I been saying this? Start reading, and you're promising God today that you're going to read one psalm and one chapter of, the John, of John's gospel. Say, so what do we read after that? First finish John, and then we'll talk about it. Amen? This morning, I'll tell you what I read. I read one psalm. I read Psalm 146, and I read the ninth chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. And every month, I read something else. And when I finish the Psalms, when I get to Psalm 150, do you know what I do? I rewind. I start with Psalm 1 again. The book, you may sit down. The book of Psalms is the most relational, personal book in the Bible. And every time you read it, you're going to see how fresh it is. And I've been doing it for 46 years, and I have yet to feel that the book of Psalms is tiresome. The Word of God is never tiresome. It's alive. Eh? And you need to read it because that will change your life, will revolutionize your life. It'll make it so much better. How many of you want to have a better life? Well, if you want to have a better life, you need to start working at it. It doesn't happen by osmosis and it doesn't happen automatically. Hum. It doesn't happen that way. Unfortunately. You've got to work at it. Amen? So get at it. Get at it. Now, the word today is interesting here. 
Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Why is the word today important? Because we all have the tendency to put things off many times. Mañana. Tomorrow. Problem is, tomorrow never comes. Okay? But here we, we are told that an immediate response is most important. These believers had to respond at once lest they missed the opportunities. This is very similar to the exhortation the Apostle Paul gives the Corinthian believers when he tells them today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. People who put it off usually never do it. And then they find themselves in hell. Now, I'm not saying you're going there. But I'm saying that mañana never comes. It's the devil's philosophy. Today is God's philosophy. Start doing it today. And in Ephesians, we're told, redeem the time because the days are evil. What does it mean to redeem? It means you buy back the time. Okay? Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Certain opportunities are limited to a specific time and a specific place. Uh, for Israel, at Kadesh Barnea, that was the specific time and place to enter into the promised rest. And what did they do? They missed it. They missed it. Now, if you miss the bus, there's another one coming. Miss the train, there's another one coming. But when you miss the opportunity God is giving you, he doesn't promise you another one. Not always. Now, thank the Lord that many times he does. Like in the case of, in the case of Jonah. Thank the Lord he gave him a second chance. Okay? But that doesn't, that's no guarantee. God did not sign an agreement with you and me to say, I'm going to give you ten chances. No. Many times you miss a chance, that's it. For these Hebrew believers, 1,500 years later, the ones that the writer is writing to, for them, it was, then it was the time. At the moment he's writing to them the epistle here to the Hebrews, he says, now you have to do it. And do you know when he was writing to them? He was writing to them one or two years before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And history tells us that these believers did it. And they left the city. Just as the Romans were marching in to destroy everything. Destroy the temple. Destroy the city. And they went on the other side of the Jordan River. To what today is Jordan. The country of Jordan. And they hid there. And they were spared. When all, whereas all the unbelievers in the city and in the country, many of them perished, and two million were exiled, scattered throughout the whole world to this day. What country do you come from? Any country you come from, there are Jewish people there. God doesn't fool around. Okay, so I think it behooves us to listen to what he says. For this reason, the writer presses them to make the right decision once for all to go on to spiritual maturity before it was too late. And the same is true for us today. The Lord urges us to make the right decisions both in our physical as well as in our spiritual life. Wrong decisions bring about wrong consequences. Right decisions bring about right consequences. Whatever you sow, you reap. Okay? There are no two ways about it. Israel suffered physical death because of a wrong decision. They did not enter the promised land. Now, these Hebrew believers, the writer is writing to 1,500 years later would suffer the same if they made the wrong decision to go back to rabbinical Judaism. 
We will suffer as well if we make wrong decisions and do not take God at His word. That's why it says, after such a long time, refers to the time between Joshua and David. Joshua was the one that led the people of Israel into the promised land. And then 500 years later comes King David. Okay? And King David writes and says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Okay? Lest you don't, do not enter into his rest. Now we come to another point here. In verse 8. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. What do we see in this section of uh, Scripture? Remember when we began the epistle to the Hebrews, we said that Jesus is better than the prophets. We say Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the Levitical law. Well, over here we see in these verses 8 through 10 that Christ is superior to Joshua. Okay? Joshua is mentioned here to illustrate that the present offer given again through David is still valid. Because Joshua did not bring Israel into the true spiritual rest. That is, into spiritual maturity. Joshua did lead the people into Canaan, but Canaan rest was not the rest God had planned for his people. Joshua gave them Canaan rest and rest from their enemies. But he did not give them the rest that comes from spiritual maturity. This comes only through Christ. If Joshua had given them this rest, then there would have been no need to speak of another day afterward. Okay, that's why it says there in, uh, in verse 8, which is read, For if Joshua had given them rest. Now, didn't Joshua give them rest? He gave them rest in the sense that he led them into the promised land, into the land of Canaan, but gave them rest from their enemies after they conquered the land, not spiritual rest. That doesn't come by entering a certain country. Okay? It doesn't come by entering a certain church. It comes only when you are in Christ and you are maturing, growing, okay, becoming a strong Christian, growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why it says that if Joshua had given them the rest that it's talking about, the spiritual rest, maturity, then there would have been no need to speak of another day afterwards. Okay? So because uh, Joshua did not, uh, the, the rest through Joshua was temporary, but, um, and because the rest of Jesus is eternal, that's why he's better than Joshua. Because Joshua gave them a temporary rest. But Jesus gives us what? An eternal rest. Everlasting rest. In verses 9 and 10. Okay. Now the writer now turns from Canaan rest to another kind of rest. Look at verse 9. There remains therefore a... A what? There remains therefore a... What? Verse 9. A what? A rest. Remember I told you there were two words for rest in the Greek? When you read that in English or read it in Spanish, it says rest. You don't see the difference. But in the Greek, it's not katapapsis. The word here is the word sabbatismos. We get the word Sabbath from that. Shabbat. It's a Hebrew word, Hellenized. Sabbatismos. And it is the only time this word is used in all of the New Testament. Okay? Before Hebrews, before the book of Hebrews, 
Notice the influence the Bible had. That before the book of Hebrews was written, this word is found nowhere in Greek literature. You don't find this word in Greek literature before Hebrews. But it is found later in early Christian literature. Thanks to the book of Hebrews. Sabbatismos. It's not just cessation from activity. This is actual total rest. It does not refer to the Sabbath day, but to the Sabbath celebration or observance. It was meant to be a time of festivity to celebrate God's life-sustaining presence among his people. And this is the true rest. The rest a believer enters into as he or she reaches spiritual maturity and is able to enjoy God after fulfilling God's purpose for his or her life. Sabbath rest is a type of spiritual maturity for believers, both Jews and Gentiles. This type of maturity is reached when one ceases to struggle over the basics of the spiritual life. Again, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then in verse 10 of this uh, epistle here, we see, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God, as God did from his. The writer goes further in explaining the Sabbath rest. This is the kind of rest the believer enters into after he has ceased relying on the works and efforts he used to practice before coming to Christ. Okay? And now he has begun to trust God to help him in his every need. The emphasis is on the future aspect of this rest, pointing to the kingdom and to heaven itself. This very well illustrates all the things that people do in religions. They do this and they do that. They think they're trying by their abundance of good works. They're going to be approved by God. Once you cease from that and you don't do the works to be approved by God, Whatever you do now, you do it because God has approved your faith. You come to him, you're saved, amen. Good work should be a result, the fruit of salvation, not the means of salvation. Amen? You understand that? Now, however, there is an aspect of this rest which the believer can now enjoy. It says, he who has entered, meaning that some have already entered and are enjoying the spiritual rest of the abundant life the Lord promised. What did the Lord say? I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. John 10.10. 10. This life is attained by faith. When the believer appropriates the rest God has provided. The believer in this state trusts God now and for the future. Now, this is not a cessation of work, as I said before, but rather a cessation from the weariness and pain in the toil of everyday life. Salvation is pictured here as God's rest, which man is to share, and God will have perfect satisfaction when man is in harmony with him. So we see the uh, three things regarding the rest in closing. In the past, it is salvation. In the present, it is spiritual maturity. In the future, it is both the kingdom and heaven. Our salvation has been accomplished by Jesus. The kingdom and heaven are still in the future. What we need is the present, in the present rather, is to mature spiritually. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 for one second, right before we close. I think in Ephesians 4, Verses 14 through 16, the Apostle Paul illustrates pretty much the principle we're talking about. Notice what it says here. Oops. Let's start from verse 11 so we get into the whole thought. 
Ephesians 4.11 it says, And he himself, meaning the Lord, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers. Who gave those to the church? Who? Who gave them? Christ. Okay? The Lord Jesus Christ gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. Now, I know it says in your Bible, pastors and teachers, but it's really one ministry, pastor teacher. Okay? Why? Look at verse 12. Why? For the equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? What? Who are the saints? Could have fooled me. You are the saints? Yeah, you are. A saint is not uh, the idea of uh, some icon. The saint is the believer. It means separated. The word saint in Greek means separated. You're separated from the world, separated unto God. And, and God gave the ministers. In this case, he gave you, Pastor Alex, and gave the deacons. For what? To equip you. To equip you. It's the same word as the word used for mending the nets. Why do you mend a net? In order to equip it to do its job. Because if, it's not, if it has holes, the, sh the fish are going to go right through them. So they mend them. When the Lord came by and saw the fishermen there mending their nets, and he says, come and I'll make you fishers of men. That word mending and the word here is the same, equipping is the same word in the Greek. Katardizo. The Lord puts pastors, teachers, evangelists for what? For the equipping of the saints, the believers. Why? For the work of ministry. Some people think that only the pastor and the deacons are supposed to be ministering. My Bible here, the food, do you have the same book of Ephesians I do? It says that all the saints are supposed to be ministering. Amen? I heard somebody say amen. The rest of you are dead. Everybody say amen. And don't just say it because Pastor Alex says everybody say amen. You need to mean that from the bottom of your heart. And some of you are going to start ministering in this church. And don't try escaping and staying home because I'm coming there to get you. I know where you live. Okay? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Who is the body of Christ? The church. Not the building, but the people. Okay? Look what it says. Until when are we supposed to do this? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is that talking about? It's talking about spiritual what? Maturity. Why? Look at verse 14. That we should no longer be children. That means immature. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In other words, to make it simpler, God placed certain men and women in church to equip the believers so that they may do the work of the ministry and all together edify the body of Christ until we all reach the maturity that we must reach as believers. And he gives the illustration of a body, physical body, anatomical body. 
And just like your body needs to be connected, because any member of your body that is disconnected, what happens? Gangrene sets in, and then they have to amputate it, right? A healthy body has all its members well connected. You have nice circulation, oxygen, everything. And the body is healthy. And we all need a healthy body, don't we? That's why Pastor Alex is working hard at it. And I'm, I, I'm being accountable to you. I lost 36.3 pounds since I started at the end of 2019. Okay? I'm on Weight Watchers, and this is not an ad. I'm on Weight Watchers, and I walk 3.3 and one quarter miles a day in the park. Walking. In March, my sugar was 293 one morning. I almost had a heart attack. This morning, I checked my sugar. It was 119. Last night or two nights before, I checked my sugar. It was 88. You can do it. I'm a diabetic, yeah, but I hope to be an ex-diabetic because once I lose all the weight I need to lose, most likely this stupid thing will go away and with it the medication. Men sanum incorporen sanum. That's what the Romans used to say. You know what that means? Healthy mind in a healthy body. Well, I go even further than that. A healthy spirit in a healthy body. And we all need that, don't we? So I challenge you, read your Bibles. Read the book of Hebrews, but read Psalm. And read the uh, uh, Gospel of John, one chapter a day. I want you to grow. I want you to feed. I don't want you to be starving spiritually. You have it. Right there. In your home. Open your Bible and feast on it. Amen? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.